You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In his latest essay, Taking Celebrity Seriously, our guest today, Stephen Duncombe, explores how activists are using the banalities of celebrity culture strategically and argues why progressives need to fight on this new terrain instead of merely wishing it away with a sniff of disapproval. Duncombe teaches the history and politics of media and culture at the Gallatin School of New York University. He is the author of Dream, Reimagining Progressive Politics in an Age of Fantasy. Stephen Duncombe, welcome to Film School. Thank you for having me on, Aiden. How are you doing today? What's it like there in New York? Uh, it's, it's summer. It's 87 degrees. <laughs> yeah, 87. <laughs> well, um, and, you know, it's brought a little bit of L.A. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> now, we're, now, we're exporting it now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep exporting it around March is when we really need it. <laughs> yeah. Now, the Glanton School, is that in Manhattan? I don't even... it, is, it is. It's part of New York University. I mean, oh, New York okay. University is a massive, massive institution. And Gallatin is sort of, as I like to think of it, it's sort of the Hampshire of, of NYU. <laughs> it's the alternative school. It's the uh, interdisciplinary school. It's a great place to teach. Let's start right in here. How would you describe the political left's traditional relationship to celebrity? Well, I, th- I think it's schizophrenic. I mean, mm-hmm. on the one hand, there's the sort of the rationalist, sober approach, which is celebrity is something to condemn. And you see this at the beginning of the rise of celebrity, at least movie celebrity, with people like, you know, the, the then still liberal Walter Lippmann, who makes the point, it's a good point, that basically what celebrity culture does is it's a, it's a weapon of mass distraction. That is, is that it keeps people from reading about, thinking about, acting upon those things which they should be thinking about, and instead they become obsessed with knowing everything there is to know about Britney Spears, um, or in his case, Ruth Snyder, um, or uh, Rudolph Valentino. And I think that that's valid. The other side is this sort of irrational, giddy adulation of celebrity. You know, it's Jane Fonda in Hanoi or Bono taking on uh, world poverty. As we get, we get all sort of you know weak in the knees. Oh my gosh, here's a famous celebrity who shares my politics. Does that mean that I'm not so far out the mainstream as I think I am? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's not it's not a rational appreciation of the fact that when Bono does talk about world poverty, it actually puts it on the map. It's something more than that, which is really an affirmation from the pantheon of modern gods that our politics are legitimate. And, and I think both of these reactions to celebrity are politically problematic. And, and as I write in this article coming out, is that they're politically problematic because they both essentially make celebrities into those things that we watch. And they are the ones that act, and we are the ones that watch and worship. And I think that that very relationship to celebrity is deeply problematic, whether it's a critical one or one of adulation. I think we have to, and I've talked to a lot of activists who are rethinking the relationship to celebrity. Well, isn't the sort of traditional response that you're talking about is that we're inherently, I'm going to throw my, I'm going to lump myself here with the progressives and say we're inherently suspicious of things that sort of leapfrog our, um, or bypass our critical faculties. We, yeah. do, we don't like that. And we're, we we're inherently we're... suspicious of things that try to do that. I think we're we're very suspicious, and I think that's part of our Enlightenment heritage. And you know, this is uh, we've talked before about my book Dream, and the, the book Dream is really about that very problem and how we can sort of get around that. But we are suspicious. 
we really hold true to this notion of that politics at its core is about reason or should be about reason and should be about sober discussion and so on. And my point is, well, perhaps it should be, but it's not. And so therefore, how do we actually engage in the real political process and do it in a way that's both effective and ethical? Because if we don't engage in the world of fantasy and desire and spectacle, we're basically sidelining ourselves. And I think that's essentially what progressives have done, is they have sidelined themselves. And we're also negating our own history. And there's been moments of our own history, civil rights movement, New Deal, in which the progressive movement has, has embraced the imaginary. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've done it on their own terms. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's important here, is we have to do it on our own terms. That, that is, uh, you've identified to me in your article and in the book, you've identified something that bothered me for a long time, having been involved in politics and campaigns and all, which is the progressives tend to usually are one or two campaigns behind. <laughs> We're not fighting the last war. We're fighting the last, last war. We are usually fighting the last war, which is we really have to be prepared to take the battle where it is yeah. as opposed to waiting for it to come to us. And that goes back to direct mail, which the Republicans were very good at Vigory and those guys back when Reagan was elected. It's, it's taken, I will say, decades for the progressive elements in, in our uh, society to kind of catch up with the idea of going after these people all across the United States in that regard. We need to take that battle to the world of celebrity. I think so. I think that a good politico is basically, you know, takes their first lesson from the handbook for guerrilla warfare, which is you know your terrain and you figure out how to use it. Yeah. And we live in a terrain, whether we like it or not, you don't get to pick the terrain of your battles. We live in a terrain of fantasy and celebrity And we've got to figure out how do we actually mobilize that. And I actually think that we're in a place to do that far ahead of the right in this. And so there is a moment here, a chance here to say, okay, well, how are we going to do it differently? How are we going to do it effectively? Are we really talking about taking advantage or using celebrities? Or are we talking about using just the concept of celebrity itself and of fame itself to our advantage? Because I, I know when, when I see Sean Penn do certain things, it almost discredits what, what's going on. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's a great question. And I actually, I think it's the latter, not the former. And I talked to this wonderful guy, Han Chan, who is uh, um, one of the lead organizers for Students for Free Tibet. And he'll tell stories about having to deal with celebrities who really had not a clue about the, the Free Tibet movement. Yet, because they had cultivated them, cultivated them so successfully, they were sort of bound to these people. And he would cringe, for example, when Sharon Stone would open her mouth. Um, (laughs) However, he did understand, I think this is important, that people would show up to a rally to hear Sharon Stone or come to a benefit concert played by the Beastie Boys, and then it was up to him and his fellow organizers to move people to the next level. And so I think you can use celebrities, but you have to use them strategically. You don't count on them. One of the things that he pointed out, which I think was really perceptive, is that what happens with organizations when they start getting wowed by celebrities is that they stop organizing. Their organizing becomes about getting the celebrity, Mm -hmm. and as if everything would follow magically from that. But then, of course, your whole political message is contingent on the celebrity who may say an idiotic thing, may do something bad, or just may um, go on to the next issue. But at that moment, when you have the world's attention, you can actually use it. And he talks very effectively about how do you move people into the next stage, which is being organizers or some of the other organizers I talked to in this for this article 
talked about how do you use the discourse around celebrities, the conversation around celebrities, to open up a conversation on politics. That is, we talk about Paris Hilton, not because we particularly like Paris Hilton, although one might, um, <laughs> but, because, but because her little stint in jail and how she got released after a couple of days because she pulled some strings triggered a lot of conversation about who gets in and out of prison. Right. And then that becomes a stepping stone into a whole conversation about prison with people who normally wouldn't care or would feel very threatened about talking about a political issue. So it's sort of a gateway drug. I agree, and, and, and that was exactly my thought process on a couple of levels. One, that the Paris was, in fact, kind of the embodiment of a two-tiered judicial system. Yes. And secondly, just exactly what does it mean to to be incarcerated? What are the ramifications? How does this play out? And and we got to see this almost on live TV and as to how the process works. And I'm, I really do believe that, it, as we're describing these celebrities, they can be a gateway into understanding the mechanisms by which so many of these issues are played out. And, if, and for no other reason, that they're, that's, a good, that's a good thing. Right, exactly. Is they have the world's media. I think we can, yeah. like Walter Lippmann, yeah. say, oh, it's, so t- it's too bad that they do. But that's a politically impotent statement. Right. That is, they do, and so what do we do to move the gaze away from them and move it onto issues which have been exposed, illuminated, or at least you know dragged out of darkness for a moment by these celebrities? And that's a political question. All right. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Stephen Duncombe, the uh, book, the, the recent book, Dream, Reimagining Progressive Politics in the Age of Fantasy, and his upcoming essay, Taking Celebrity Seriously. I just wanted to also, we were talking about celebrities and this sort of captivating, this sort of dream that people, this aspiration of dreams that people have. There's another way that I think that the progressives have had uh, some of the steam taken out of our issues and that the uh, neocons or conservatives have been able to seize in relation to dreams is the capturing of religion, yeah. which is also a manifestation of people's desires and dreams. And we're beginning to see some progressive pushback on that, which is a good thing. Definitely. And I really, I'm glad you bring up religion. And I'm going to shift it in just a little way, because one of the things that, oddly enough, I realized in, in Orange County, your stomping ground at Saddleback Church, mm-hmm. you know, the Reverend Rick Warren's massive, massive church, where my, my in-laws um, is their local church, I started to realize when I was in one of these services, there's 20,000 people, and it's, you know, it's very starstruck. But one of the reasons why people coming back is because there's all of these, essentially, affinity groups within that church where they feel recognized, where they feel appreciated, where they feel that someone actually cares about what they do. And I thought, well, in some ways, oddly enough, this is also one of the desires, the dreams, which gets manifested through celebrity culture. That is, celebrities have what we don't have, okay? I think that's one of the main reasons we're fascinated with them. They are beautiful, they are wealthy, they can travel any place around the world, but they also have something which I think is even rarer, which is they're recognized, they're seen. And we live in a world where to be seen means to exist. And so in a lot of ways, I look at celebrity culture and our fascination with celebrities as really this sort of sad statement that most of us feel that we're not recognized, that we don't exist, that we're living out this sort of vicarious existence through our celebrities. And I was thinking, well, what could political organizations do so people actually feel recognized? And I've seen this happen in churches. Um, My father's actually a minister uh, up in southern Washington, Washington, Washington-Oregon border, and the churches that he's 
she's part of, which, you know, you know, it's a lefty church. It's all about community and all about people getting to know each other. I don't even think some people believe in God that go to that church, but they go because they are expected and recognized. And then I think so much about, say, the Democratic Party or these big NGO progressive organizations where really they care about you as a donation or maybe a well, vote. Well, and and that, yeah. We're not recognized. Well, and that's a, that's an excellent point because I, I think that's a, another example where the Republicans, in aligning themselves with these me- mega churches and, re- and and sort of the conservative religious movement, have been able to do exactly what you're describing. They've translated that religious uh, experience into a political experience. Yes. Whereas my experiences over the last couple of decades, really, with the Democratic Party, is constituencies that are being played by the Democrats. Yes. Yes. And I think that's an important distinction. I don't think that the Republicans, to their credit, have uh, the, the constituencies within the Republican Party feel the, the same way that I, as a progressive, feel. Like, I'm constantly being marginalized. I'm being told everything will be okay, and would you just stand over there in the corner so no one really knows that you're here? <laughs> Exactly. And and please don't cause an embarrassment like uh, Move On did, uh, yeah. because then we're going to have to denounce you. Right. And I, I think you're absolutely right. I think this is falling apart for the Republicans. I think that the, 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 the Christian evangelical movement has started to think realize that the Republicans have been playing them. And I think it, right now it's a very volatile moment for them. But I think, you know, the fundamentals, what you're talking about is exactly right, is that politics have become, and particularly where it shouldn't become, which is in part of the progressive movement, professionalized, which is it's something lobbyists do, lawyers do, professional activists do, people with clipboards hired by third-party fundraising organizations hit you up on the street to give money for, but it's not something that you are engaged in. It's not something you're recognized for. And I think that that is, you know, suicidal politically, because in the end, we want to feel that we exist, and we will gravitate to those things which we feel where we, we're counted, whether they be churches or our family, or where we see this sort of, you know, idealistic manifestation of it, celebrity culture. But I think if progressives and progressive organizations started to recognize individuals and started to publicize individuals' contributions, I mean, in terms of activities that they do, maybe sort of the public gaze would start to turn away from Paris Hilton and back towards ourselves, the public. I mean, that's the dream, my dream. Yeah. Well, that's a good dream. I I was just sitting here (laughs) thinking to myself, you know, as as much as I want to take advantage of celebrity, the word itself still disgusts me. And it, it's, it stands for something vacuous. It stands for like art without soul. Yeah. And, and I really want to, uh, uh, what can we do to, to change that? Well, maybe we can start by examining celebrity in our education. Yeah. And, and we can talk about celebrity as uh, who, who should be celebrated. Reinventing celebrity. Yeah. It, it should be people like George Gershwin or right. Philip Glass or Joan Didion, you know, why, why, don't I, why do I hear about Paris Hilton and I don't hear about Joan Didion? Right. And I, and I think that there are left-wing organizations, for example, this group GoLeft.org in New York City is actually creating a pantheon of sort of left cultural heroes. Um, you know, some which we, we can uh, imagine who they would be, people like Paul Robeson, but also people like Charlie Chaplin, and yeah. sort of trying to play with this idea of celebrity and say, well, you know what their politics really were, and you know what they actually did for their politics, to actually generate this idea idea of, okay, if we're going to look up to people, who should we be looking up to? On the other hand, I think that there is a danger in that, because I still think that then we can start to wait for the next great celebrity. Let's wait for Martin Luther King. Let's wait for someone to make us 
feel good about ourselves. I'm much more interested at this point of trying to find and trying to locate what it is that we find so attractive about celebrity and then offering a political equivalent to it. Not creating our own counter-celebrities, you know, Che Guevara, what have you, but instead kind of deconstructing celebrity and speaking to it differently or speaking to the desire differently. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Well, but the other thing, just to counter that, I, you say that celebrities have everything that we want, but I, I don't know if that's really true. Well, we, we think we want it. Right. I, we, you know, we, th- we think we want all the recognition, but uh, given the choice between fame and wealth, I'll take wealth every time. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that, that you're absolutely right, is that one of the problems with celebrity, of course, is it, it defines things like fame and recognition. And we'd have to, we have to redefine. Yeah, we have to get in there and play with the system and say, okay, we're interested in recognition, but not recognition in how much bling you have, okay? Yeah. Not recognition in terms of, you know, how many parties you went to, but recontextualize and reset the terms of what recognition means. Well, Does that make, you know, yeah, make well, sense? Yeah, is, is, uh-huh. is, yes. is, is there a distinction here to be drawn between being a celebrity and being notorious? Is there, is, in other yeah. words, I'm going, I'm, going, I'm going to go back to Mario Savio, okay? Right. I'm going to go back to the Chicago 7. Yeah. Okay, they were celebrities, but they were also notorious. Is that, a, is that something that we need to be... I mean, is that part of the equation here? That's a, that's a great question, because Mario Savio is a really interesting case, because he's someone who had the spotlight turned on him, used it for, yeah. I think, very effective political purposes, yeah. and then retreated away from it. Right. Um, and I always think about Allen Ginsberg. You know, at the height of his fame, he leaves for India for two years. Right. And that sort of anti-celebrity, but notoriety, right. um, which means I have made something with my space, but now I'm going to make space for someone else. I mean, I think that is an aspirational a model and, for, for what we might look for. And also there's another whole component to this, which is I don't know if it's within the control of the progressives, and that is sort of the delivery system, yeah. if you will, for people who are the Mario Savios of today, where you, there, there's very few shows. You've got, in very limited amount of time, you've got the, I'll say, Keith Olbermann, a few, a few programs, The Daily Show, Colbert Report. Other than that, there aren't very many ways to deliver this kind of celebrity that has this kind of progressive bent. Right, and even those shows, I mean, if you look at the guests on um, Jon Stewart, I love Jon Stewart, but right. the guests on Jon Stewart are pretty mainstream guests. Right, they are. Um, and in fact, he takes much more chances with his right-wing guests than he does on, with the left-wing guests. Well, I was going to say, it's distressing how often he appears to be sort of uh, sucking up to, to guys like uh, Crystal and some of these other Well, guys. you know, I wouldn't even mind sucking up to Crystal if then he sucked up to Noam Chomsky the next week or yeah. something like that. <laughs> right. But, exactly. that, but that's what I mean, is that there's no space on there for the, the left-wing equivalent. It's basically you have liberals and then you have the right, which is basically reproducing, of course, the whole sort of talk show circuit and so on. However, back to, I think, your great question about the delivery system. Yes and no. Um, yes, the delivery system is still television and the image, and you know, celebrity is about those magazines. On the other hand, there's the internet, yeah. and what you see is these homegrown celebrities. Now, most of them are rather banal, you know, lonely girl and so on. Yeah. But there's a chance there. There's a moment there yeah. for people to become celebrities in a way that was inconceivable, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And in fact, the whole MySpace Facebook phenomenon, I think, is. This, this moment or uh, an indicator of a moment in which everyday people want to be seen and want to be recognized. 
And instead of us saying, oh boy, how banal it is, and look at how conceited these people are creating these images of themselves, you know, okay, but what other outlets are there? How can we tap into that? How can we make it appear differently and work politically differently? Um, and I think that's an organizing problem. I think organizers need to take those questions seriously. Well, it's going back to basics. Uh, on the previous program, we had Richard Goldstein on, and, and uh, oh, great. He's, he's written a uh, he's a co-author to a book called The Contenders. And he said it, he, some very nice things in uh, about you in his essay on Barack Obama. So you, you might want to check that out. And and my point in bringing that sort of weaving this together is that he talks about. John Kennedy coming along at a point in in our history where he unleashed a lot of social forces that were just below the surface. And his contention is that Barack Obama represents many of those same kinds of social changes that that we could see with a with a the candidacy of of Obama, so I don't know what you think of that idea. Uh, I, I actually think he's right. I don't know if Barack Obama knows it, <laughs> <laughs> or his handlers know it. I think Richard Goldstein is one of the smartest people around talking about the intersection of culture and politics. I mean, I've loved his music criticism forever, and yeah. you know, when he was editor of the Voice, that was fantastic. And I think that he's right. There's a moment, and Barack Obama, we want him to be that touch point. I don't know if he can be or anybody in his if he wants to be or he trusts himself to be um right that's a that's a big question. I think the moment is there, but again, I'd be wary of waiting for the Kennedys, waiting yeah. for Martin Luther well, King. And I well I would but, make the I would say that Kennedy himself I don't think was aware of just how much of a social and I think that gets to the core into, of what celebrity yeah, is right. or a, or a true celebrity right, right. is. It is a celebration of something that was maybe not even known yeah. that the yeah. person that stepped into the limelight literally, you know, is a accidentally yeah. stepped into the limelight and brought forces uh, to bear on on things that that they had no idea they could. And well, I think I think Cindy Sheehan's a perfect example of that. When she stepped into the limelight, I think she had much more power than when she actually became part of the limelight. Yeah, and yeah. she herself yeah. acknowledged that yeah. with her, you know, I'm leaving the limelight and so on. And at that moment, I think that it takes a very conscientious individual to say, you know what, I'm actually speaking for a much larger something, and I have a role to play here, but I'm really just the voice piece of the lightning rod for a much larger social movement. Well, that's where I think Obama is sort of the a conduit for that sort of transracial... Yeah. A new, you know, sort of a new sensibility about yeah. our politics. And yeah, so, he, he's having a hard time articulating it, though. I mean, yeah. it, it's he understands it, the audacity of hope, but when it comes down to the substance of what it is, yeah. it's yeah. still really incoherent. Yeah, it is. It is. Are, are you encouraged by what's going on in the progressive community in the relationship to celebrity right now? I am actually. I actually think that there's a, a generation of um, activists who have a very different relationship to, to popular culture than even I did when I came up through the ranks in the um, 1980s. Um, that is, is that they actually, you know, watch America's next top model and then go out on the streets and uh, are activists, and that they don't see that these are huge contradictions, that they, they're able to analyze exactly what's wrong with America's Next Top Model, yet enjoy it nonetheless. And then I think what I'm really excited by is when I talk to this bunch of activists about, okay, well, how can we use some of that and make it speak a different language? Right. Um, and really, instead of, you know, so much of my progressive upbringing was about marginalization. It was about, you know, it was during the Reagan era. That is, we were under attack. We were small. Let's stake out a world where we have completely different rules. We have completely different 
belief systems, essentially a subculture of politics. And that, that's really good for my identity. It's really bad for politics. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have to learn how to speak to the rest of the country. Well, I mean, you can't keep saying you're wrong to people. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Stephen, thank you so much for coming back and, and joining us again on Film School this time. Stephen Duncombe, uh, once again, is the author of Dream, the Reimagining Progressive Politics in an Age of Fantasy, and his new, his latest essay, which will be in... In the Nation in the, in the next couple of weeks. Right Taking uh, Celebrity Seriously. Thank you, Stephen Duncombe. Oh, for thank you. It's always a pleasure. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at KUCI.org slash filmschool.